0: PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
1: The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors,
2: Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across the 211, Renault and Dacia range. Get your card delivered to you in just a couple of clicks. Call us today to find out more or visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone
0: Motors.
3: Welcome to Friday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. We'll have your riddle for you in a little while. And we've a nice little prize to send out to one of you today. Leon Blanche does the sport. We're in the kitchen with Tara Walker. We hear about uh, school in County Mead. It has a new dog, yes, he's a member of staff over there. And of course I'll conclude my ELO story this afternoon. If you want to get in touch with us in the show, oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight WhatsApp or text me here straight to studio or you can call in on eighteen fifty seven one five nine five eight. Now my granddaughter Ava asked me a question recently. She says, Gang gang, what are marbles? What are marbles? I said well, Eve, I felt like losing them at times in my life. But, you know, no, seriously, what are marbles? She was asking me in the context of, you know, the marbles that we played games with when we were younger. And I explained to her uh, what they were, small ones, bigger ones, and how we played the game. And then I was out for a walk and going by their house, and I see it out in the footpath where she lives, she'd drawn out a hopscotch, you know, the hopscotch as well. And she was she was playing the hopscotch. And I was thinking, schoolyard street games of yesteryear. Louise, were you a street urchin? Did you participate in the street games?
4: love them. I what? think I still have bruises from them, actually. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what was your favourite game when you think back to your childhood to play on the street?
4: I'd say either Red Rover or Underarm Arm Underarm Under, Arm-Tig. Under Arm-Tig for
3: the street. Mm. What was that? Explain how you how that game was. Well it's worked.
4: like Tig, obviously, you chase yeah. person, but there was two people on. So one ran round and say if I caught you, Jerry, yeah. you had to go into so called prison. So you had to go up and put your hand up against a wall okay. and stretch out so that there's a bit of space between yes. your your hand against the wall and yourself. And then the people that were still playing yeah. have to kind of sneak by the pris the prisoner, the guard. Yeah. And go under your arm to free you. So okay. they had to literally run under your arm to free you. Okay, and then so you'd run off.
3: You had to avoid being caught and touched yourself and get under the uh, arm and, and free something.
4: <laughs> you had to avoid the wall as well. Were you good at it? <laughs> I think that's why I kind of stopped. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we were chatting this morning. Go on, repeat that one for me. You were talking about something called, what's Queenie Eye?
4: Queenie I. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, there was a gang here, and the person that was on... Uh, turned around from the rest of you, and they fired a ball behind them. Yeah. So somebody caught the ball, but you all put your hands behind your back, and you had to guess. And you used to kind of say a rhyme called "Queenie Io." Who had the ball? Is she big or is she small? Uh 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 uh. uh. Is she like a banana skin? And I had to go uh uh because uh, seemingly that last line is not considered okay. PC okay, anymore. it's not
3: PC anymore. I see.
4: Okay, yeah, and then you had to guess. By a process of elimination, who had the ball? And if you got it wrong, they'd be the next Queenie Io.
3: Did you play hopscotch? Yes. Did you skip? Oh, yes. Hide and seek? Yes. Oh, you did quite a lot. And, and you know, I, I tell me today, is your impression that play on the streets and street games and schoolyard games are still as vibrant today? And do they play the games of yesteryear children today?
4: I don't think so much in the schoolyard.
3: Insurance, is it? P- mm, Probably uh, a
4: lot of it, I'd yeah. say.
3: OK, but what about on the streets? Would you say they play, that those games are still common? I'd
4: say kerbs would still be a good one on the street, wouldn't it? What's kerbs? You know, where you kind of stand with a ball and... You have to try and hit a curb, curb on the other side yes, with the ball. Yes,
3: yes, I remember it. Yeah, curbs, yeah. Yeah, does any of this ring a bell which you're listening to us today? Do you remember the street games of yesteryear? If you do, give us a shout. 086 1800 658. WhatsApp or text us to the show or 1850 715 958 if you'd like to call in. Now, we do have an expert on the line because she wrote the definitive book about the games we're talking about. It was called Red Rover, Red Rover and I'm delighted to say hello again. She's not living in it anymore, but she is one of Drogheda's finest. Kunak McGann, hello. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Red Rover, Red Rover was the name of the book, and Louise mentioned it there. Would you just give us a little more on that one? Explain that one to us.
2: So basically, um, I grew up in Drogheda over in, in Matson Lodge. We had an estate of about 40 houses, and red rover is kind of a collection of all the games that we used to play when i was growing up and we had quite a gaggle of kids back then in the in the 70s and 80s you know five kid families were not unusual so there was gangs of us roaming around the streets and we played a huge variety of street games and um and i hadn't seen a book that had collected them all together so I put, I put them all together, um, put together the rules and sort of tips and hints and risk ratings for all the games. Um, partly out of nostalgia and partly just to have them all somewhere, you know, so that they're not lost.
3: And, and you did a great job. You did a great job uh, with it as well, because I remember talking to you at the, at the time Um some of the games, I was trying to think back, marbles. Did you include marbles in the book? I'm losing me marbles. I did. You did, yeah. I did yeah.
2: include marbles, although by the time I was around, marbles were probably a little bit less uh, popular um, or maybe it was just in our street so that it was a little bit less popular, but we certainly did play them. I just was never good at them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you know there were two marbles there was a little marble okay. and a large one. You know That's that right. yeah there was yeah. two of them and 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 if I can just jog my memory here, the way we and I was a big marbles fan, I have to say, so we used to play it in two ways: there was dropsies where you'd put a marble i'm doing the actions here. In between the triangle, you'd make a triangle with your feet, and there'd be a marble on the ground, and you'd have to aim the marble, you know, from head height with your eye, and try and hit the marble on the ground. Okay? Ah, uh,
2: I've no, I've, I have no i have did not we didn't play that version.
3: Yeah, that was called dropsies, and oh, and if you hit the marble, you'd keep the marble, right? That was the yeah. the way it worked. The other one was where we put the marble into the corner, and we stood back a distance, and we fired the marble. A bit like the caribs Louise was saying a moment ago, fired the marble at the marble in the corner. And again, if you struck the marble, first time, the marble was yours.
2: You are playing two very different variations. The variation we used to play, we'd draw a circle on the ground and you'd put marbles into the centre of the circle and you had to use your marbles, you roll them along the ground, you used to flick them along the ground... To try and hit marbles out of the circle, and any marbles that you hit out of the circle, you got to keep.
3: Ah, so there you are. So now there you are. There's a part two of Red Rover, Red no, Rover it's on the of, way. It's
2: one of the thing, this is it. It's one of the thing about these games is there's so many variations because kids are so inventive and imaginative. They take the normal rules and kind of change them up a bit, which is part of the fun.
3: Mm. Louise, you, you're you're asking a question there. Yeah, I
4: just I've never played marbles, but. Uh, both of you are saying if you hit a marble, you got to keep them. But whose marbles were there?
3: So I was would I? have, uh, you, you buy the marbles in the shop, packs of the little ones or the big ones. It was mainly the little ones we played with, not the bigger versions, to be honest with you. But you bought packs of these and they were mine or they were Kunak's or they were yours and we played against each other. I could end up with none. That's
2: right. And oh, you could, okay. you could, you could agree with your friends beforehand <laughs> whether it was keepsies or not. So yes. You could kind of play marbles and then reclaim yours at the end. But most of the time it was keepsies.
3: It was keepsy. So if you were good, you had uh, huge uh, numbers of these marbles. Are yep.
2: they still selling? Are they still around? kunak they do. you can yeah. still you can still buy them. Oftentimes they're packaged up in kind of retro packaging, you know. Yeah. So, um, but you can absolutely you can yeah.
3: Now, the thing is, we want to say for a safety point of view, small marbles are dangerous for small children and for any children. You never, you want to take care of them. I just want to mention that today if you're thinking of going out and reliving your childhood. Yes, they are dangerous. The small ones, uh, the larger ones, well, the larger ones too. But anyway, just to be careful with them if you are playing with them. Um, I uh, remember as well a thing called Buttony Buttony Cherry O. Do you remember that? (laughs) but it sounds intriguing do you, do, you, do you Louise do you remember yeah it?
4: but it's a great name
3: botany botany cherry o, botany butney, but-ney cherry <laughs> who has the buttony o? I haven't a clue what it was about but that bloody rhyme I told you I'm losing me marbles it's still <laughs> in me head Kunak it, I- turns, it
2: sounds a little bit like Louise's Queenie IO actually doesn't yeah, it yeah
3: it could be that somebody sp-
2: was hiding a ball behind their back and somebody had to guess who, it, who had yeah, it yeah
3: I think it was something like that you had something in your hand and you had to guess who had it or whatever but as you say isn't this th- the thing about this there were local and regional and national variations on, on most of these games
2: there absolutely were and if you would a cousin come up from Cork or down from Donegal or something they might have a different rhyme or a different way of playing it and it was part of the fun so oftentimes, the version I might be playing with, with the kids on my street came from somewhere else so it was slightly different even to the kids down the road you know yeah
3: hopscotch was a biggie wasn't it
2: that's a classic an absolute classic and you know what I've even set up when we were on lockdown here I even marked out an L hopscotch <laughs> in the hall with some masking tape Uh, everybody then does the hop, skip and jump on their way up the stairs. Um, Hopscotch is an absolute classic and it's great. It's great for balance and it's great for, you know, aim and all sorts of things. It's brilliant for kids. Yeah.
3: And the skipping rope, I take it like the skipping rope. And and I was actually looking at some footage from yesterday, from the 70s and 80s this morning. And, you know, the big ropes and there would be... uh, uh, children on each side, and then people would come in and out of the skip. That's yes, Kunak, right. Yes, that was. Yeah, your... we
2: used to we used to sing, vote, vote, vote for De, for De Valera I don't know if you remember that one. And uh, and somebody would be skipping away, and then somebody else would come in, and then the other person would have to skip out. <laughs>
3: Well, I think if a De Valera even got into the minds of children, who
2: De Valera was, and i was <laughs> singing it at the top of our
3: voices. <laughs> I remember a "Rise and Swallow," Charlie. That was high, and uh, that wasn't too far <laughs> off the mark, I can tell you. In terms of another story altogether, look, when I was grown as well, I have to say this to you: we loved to play cowboys and Indians. You know, I had the cowboy outfit. Can you just imagine me now, Kunak? (laughs) I have a picture
2: in my head, Jerry? Can
3: you? With the holsters and the hat and the sheriff's (laughs) badge on and the caps and the gun. (laughs) (laughs) Keepers, I can see it. But you know what I was thinking? I was never, I don't think anyone wanted to be an Indian.
2: Not usually, because they were usually captured and roused yes. up, weren't they? Yes, that was yes. The, thing,
3: the thing about it. I don't think anybody wa- anybody was. You were, um, drawn,
2: you were drawn on all the Western movies, though, I suppose, where yes. the cowboys were the good guys and the Indians yes. were the bad guys. So.
3: Now, what was Levo?
2: Levo, um, now again, there's a few different versions of this, and, and it was called Relievo or Relievio, depending on where you're from, but it was two uh, teams of kids and each had a den, and you caught uh, members of the opposite team and put them in your den, and somebody could run into the den and shout, Levo, and all the kids would be freed from the den.
3: <laughs> I see. I I couldn't remember. I knew the name, and I had it in my head, so it's so long ago for me now at this stage. <laughs> um, Louise, tell Koenig about this el- elastic band game you were trying to remember today.
4: Oh, yeah. Um, we, were, we were wondering if there was a name on it, because people used to get elastics and 2 two girls or two boys or whatever, used to put the elastic, big long elastics around their ankles. And there used to be kind of a a song, I don't know, England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Inside, Outside, Inside Scales. Yes. And people would jump in and out.
2: We would have played that day in and day out on the street. We just called it elastics and other people called it French elastics or even Chinese skipping. I think in America it's called Chinese skipping. And, uh, We'd move
4: the band up every time so the people so had to jump higher, wouldn't they? Up to
2: the shin, up to the knee, up to the thigh and I'm sure some days we went, we went up to nexies <laughs> or shoulderies, and people were canning we can You a chair to uh, pop in. Elastics.
3: I'm just thinking you'd keep your knickers up if you were in trouble, like, you know, as well. That's a very useful game. I, I
2: oftentimes we used to we used to kick the shoes off because you can can-can better without the shoes on you. So uh, you'd be going in with holes in your socks and getting in big trouble.
3: <laughs> Kuna, like just as an aside I, I mentioned it a moment ago you may have heard me saying it to Louise and like, you know, like a lot of these games brought children wonderful exercise you were on the go you are moving all totally. the time and
2: you, do you know what you've no idea I tried when the book came out when Red Rover came out um, I played elastics with a few people my god the energy involved in that um, and mm. as an adult you don't do that kind of exercise so kids and we weren't just doing it for 20 minutes a day we were doing it for hours on end so yeah. we must have been incredibly fit back then I think Um, And not just that, but they also learn, you also learn lots of things like navigating risk and learning how kind of rough or gentle you can be with other kids. There's lots of things, you know, you learn, you learn how to, you know, coordinate in a team. There's so much to these games that we totally uh, underestimated.
3: Now, here's the question. Is it a, a facet of today's life that, you know, they're not such a central part of children's growing up anymore?
2: I think that's probably fair to say, yeah. I think children are spending less time, kind of free time where they're bored and kicking around um, out on the streets. Having said that, I know here on, we're, I'm in an estate now down in Kildare and we have about 40 houses and the kids do play a good bit of tip the can and they play a bit of bulldog. And I know that a lot of teachers and a lot of scout leaders and, and football coaches and stuff will play these games as part of training as well.
3: And that is good to hear because I, I was just thinking back to my childhood, especially in the seventies. For me, geez, there wasn't an obese child <laughs> on our road around the place at all. And I think a lot of it was to do with time spent in active pursuit of these games as children. you Yeah,
2: know. I think that's probably fair. We had, I think, we were we were moving for a lot yeah. of the day, all day. And I mean, during the summer, she'd go out and you'd be called back, called back in for dinner or haul back in to get a jumper when it got a bit uh, mm. cold. But otherwise you were on the move practically all the time.
3: I'm thinking of the jumpers. We used to throw them down and create the goal posts, you know, for football lads. <laughs> jumpers right. and the... or
2: the Levo Den. You'd use yeah. those for the Levo Den as well.
3: <laughs> and and the gates, we used to play football in the gates on the street. You know, do you ever remember that? The gate was used as the goals and we'd be oh sure we were so anything at all you'd to use, just
2: uh, you'd use a telegraph pole or a bit of a wall or anything as yeah. your post. Yeah, you it, yeah. Yeah
3: and then when you think of scooters and trolleys and bikes and all that goes with right? my word it was simply simply wonderful well look at you're so good and you're really good to us here i thank you for joining us again today to bring back wonderful memories and smiles i'm sure to many people's faces as they remember the wonderful games of yesteryear and if you remember them and you're a parent or a grandparent teach the grandchildren or children because it's something we gotta keep going uh, on in the next generations kunak you're great is the book still available uh oh, right? absolutely
2: you yeah. know, good bookshops, Jerry.
3: There you go. Red Rover, Red Rover by the wonderful Kunak McGann. It's there. Get it, enjoy it and teach them. Thank you for joining me on the show, Kunak.
2: My pleasure, Jerry. Anytime.
3: Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye. Isn't she wonderful? Do you remember, have you recall of your childhood games? Do you remember anything we haven't spoken about or we have talked about in the last few moments? Get in touch with us. 086 1800 658. I want to hear from you. 086 1800 658. WhatsApp or Text me or you can call in now on 1850-715-958. Thank you for all your memories of your childhood games. We'll be talking about them through the show this afternoon. Let's uh, bring a couple of them to you. We had a caller on from Dunleer. Thank you for calling in. Says they used to play Ella Bella, Who's Got the Ball? Also statues, if you laughed when somebody tickled you under the chin, you were out. And teddy bear turn around. God, I never heard of that one before. Dermot's listening in Monaghan this afternoon. Hello, Dermot. They used to play a game called hair away. It involved, Jerry, two groups of five. One group would hide and the other would find them. There was one lad that they could never find, and they found out why. He used to go into the graveyard and lie on the graves, and they'd be too scared to go in there as children. And look, great crack, loads of fun. Jerry, thanks for the wonderful memories uh, this afternoon. You're welcome, and we'll be back. Oh, there's Lily on to say, Jerry, yes, we loved hopscotch. It was my favourite game, and we played it with a polished tin yes absolutely a polished tin was very good for the hopscotch i'm coming back to them i promise you i want to give you your riddle on friday okay so we've a nice little prize to send out to one of our listeners on late lunch today the usual numbers apply 086 1800 658 whatsapp or text those numbers please for your answers here is your riddle on friday on late lunch listen carefully please i am the beginning of everything The end of everywhere. I'm the beginning of eternity. The end of of time and space. What am I? Let me read it again. I am the beginning of everything. The end of everywhere. I'm the beginning of eternity. The end of time and space. What am I? That's your riddle on Friday. Think about it. I'll give it to you once more after two o'clock, I promise. But if you can, have a think. Do you know what I'm looking for? What is the answer to the riddle on Friday? 086-1800-658, WhatsApp or text me to the show. The messages are bawling in about your favourite games. They really are. Keep them coming to us on the usual numbers. It's great to see them. Here's one here. Let me open this. I remember playing Tip the Can and Mr Fox, says "Kira, but Jerry, it seems like a lifetime ago. Anyone hear of those? Tip the can, Mr Fox? That's just one of the multitude of messages we're wading through here and we'll bring them to you as we move through the afternoon. Old Granny Grey let us out to play. We won't go near the water or chase the ducks away. Whoever was on was the Granny, and she had to catch the others and put them into her house. The others would then come to the house and call out the rhyme. Then suddenly Granny would burst out, and the chase was on, says Margaret. There you are, another one. I'd never heard of that one. Old Granny great Very inventive. Weren't children, they really were. Jerry, did you ever play sevens? You had a tennis ball and played it against the wall. Oh, jeepers, did I kick a ball against the neighbour's wall? I don't know how. They never spoke to me again. I always had a ball, was kicking it off the wall, be a football or a tennis ball. There you are, sevens with a tennis ball. Jerry, we loved a game called Paper Chase. Paper Chase, a game called Paper Chase. I remember, well, you're talking there about the rubber bands joined together with two people. I think it was called French something, says so another list. we will be back to that a little bit later on in the show. But now, St Peter's Community College in Dunboyne, a wonderful, wonderful school. They have a new member of staff, but listen to this. His four legs joining me to tell me more is maths and geography teacher at the uh, college, Donica McCarrick. Hello, Donica. Jerry, hello. How are you? I'm really good. Well, a good. four-legged member of staff. Tell us all about this wonderful addition named Travis.
5: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Travis. Is, he's, he's. It's just remarkable, Jerry. To be honest with you, um, he's he's a former guide dog, um, and he's he's with me all day long. He's um he's he's one of these kind of ideas that kind of came about from conversations with students and, you know, how could school be better and what would make it different and how would your day go better and so many kids just love animals and mm. the idea of having an animal in the school is, is, is just fantastic and it, it just came about from conversations and, you know, meeting, I met a lady walking a, a puppy, a guide dog puppy outside the school one day and just Chatting to her, and from these random conversations, it it kind of snowballed into into something fantastic. To be honest with you, mm. um, and and tra- he's lying here beside me now. he's just <laughs> has to put his head on my on my foot <laughs> just to let me know that he's there.
0: Yeah. and
5: he's it's it's just truly remarkable the influence he has around the corridors in the school. Like he's he's just he's an animal. I'm sure you know. Like with dogs, they've all got their own personalities, but this guy he's so well
3: trained. Yeah. Um, they do a great job, don't they, with the guide dogs. Eyes. They really do. And I look at just to tell listeners, he is a black labrador, he's three years of age. I own a black lab myself. He's the <laughs> second one I've had, so I will, I'm partial to this fella and the story yes. as well. And you're so right, Donica, even the two I've had, and I've had one I'd won for ten years, and my own fled. the second one now is ten, and there's just poles apart in terms of personality and, yeah. and the difference between them. But tell us this um. How, you, right, so you meet the lady outside the school, the students yes. are talking about it. How do you make it happen? Do you make the approach to the guide dogs or what?
5: You see, a slightly um, personal agenda here as well is that I'd always wanted a dog and I love dogs and being at work all day, it would never really suit. So yeah. I had a kind of a, an agenda myself of okay. how do I get a dog and how do I get him Good how, stuff. Do, how do I get it to work for me? So the lady with the guy that I I made contact then with a, a lady locally who had an autism assistance dog to help her son and um yaba was the dog's name and yaba was a big golden retriever and yaba used to come into the school to me for a day or two a week right and just the reaction that yaba got i knew that we had to do whatever we could to make this work mm. so it was just knowing the lady with the puppy and having met Yaba, and the guide dogs heard about it, and they they liked the idea, and they thought it might be a, a new venture for them, a new way for them to to use their dogs, or because not every dog is suited to be in a guide dog or an assistance dog. Yes,
3: and, and this fellow is higher. Yeah, Sorry, the, yeah. No, I was going to ask. This fellow is three years of age, former guide dog. Yeah, so, you know he'll be
5: four now at the end of May. Okay. So he lasted as a guide dog for about 10 months and it, it just didn't suit him. Okay,
3: um, Grant.
5: So, for the, like, no fault of anybody really. It just, he was working fine and just something happened to him. He might have got a, I don't know, to be honest with you, he just decided one day that it wasn't for him anymore. Yes. And, yes, they're, they're so careful of their animals and the people that they, they work with. They can spot straight away that this isn't going to work anymore, and they manage the situation so well.
3: Yeah. So you have him now, and he's benefiting you and the twelve hundred students. I have to tell yeah, you, yeah, twelve hundred and hundred staff nearly.
5: Oh my!
3: A,
0: oh
5: my!
3: He's That's a he's big. Incredible. Like he, everybody knows him. Like
5: nobody says yeah. hello to me anymore. <laughs> um, it's all about the dog. <laughs> People are on their knees when they see me coming, just to welcome uh. the dog, and I'm kind of standing beside him. <laughs> but it's 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 it's. it's I don't know. The, the 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 dog homing officer was in the school with me, and like he comes to check up to see how he's getting on, and he just kept saying this is remarkable. He, and he was kind of getting worried, and he says, "How are we going to replicate this? Because we're not always going to have the personalities like the dog and myself get on really well, where mm. where where you know you bond with an animal straight away, and he's just bonded to the school as well and to the yes. students and. You'd, on a busy corridor, you'd hardly even know he was there. He's he's so well mannered and well behaved, and everything about him just works. He's, ah, that's he's great calm to me. And he's joyful, and yeah. it's it's remarkable. So he's, know, like, he's he's a, he's a perfect remarkable. fit. Yes. He
3: is a he's perfect a perfect fit for you there in the school. And the other thing is, just in terms of of his impact, we here with you, of course, and in the school. What does he, you know, come to his best at or with who in the school are, are there aspects what I'm trying to say are there aspects of students or uh, parts of yeah. the school that he's you know really at home at, and making a true difference
5: Yeah well you see the school this year is not like any other year and it's, yeah. it's very difficult for the students like we, we don't even know what the first years really look like
3: mm.
5: because we've never seen them without a mask they've never seen us and myself and Travis we'd be out at the gate in the morning you know welcoming people as they come in the gate and it's just You know, it's something nice when you're coming into it, like our school is huge, and we have a huge student population, and it can be quite daunting to come into such a big place and not be able to see people properly or to be able to explore it properly or to be able to get up to a bit of development, really. Yes. Um, That's kind of all gone this year, but the dog brings about a kind of a a homeliness. Yeah. um, Mm. Something just that you can, oh, it's okay, there's a dog over there. Yeah, I'll be okay today and he he does that very well because everybody that goes by him to put the hand out they say hello to him and you know he just smiles and and he might if he has a tennis ball which he he shouldn't have but he generally finds one somewhere they love them he'll yeah he'll, he'll fire it out to them and you know he'd walk by and the kids would be just waiting for him to come along
3: yeah, it's it's great, and yeah. you know what it gives you—you you know, a, a dog around the house, and that uh, children become very used to it as well. And really, it's yeah. a, a home my, my from kids home, at home atmosphere. My kids at home, yeah, and mm. you know,
5: he's so well trained; like he's a big animal, but you'd never nearly even know he was in the house because of a relatively small house. But he's he's so placid and he's so yeah. well behaved, like.
3: What about the uh, uh, the aspect of the school? You uh, are a wonderful school, I know, and you have uh, special students there who need a uh, particular help with their education. Who may be on the autism spectrum? How is yeah. he with those guys? He's, you
5: see, the level of training he has. He he doesn't react to um, noise or any kind of a. I don't yeah. to use the word, you know, any kind of a situation which might be daunting for most animals. He he's he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't jump up or he's not sudden in his movements. He's calm. And he, he just, you know, there's a sense of calmness around him because when the students see him, like, all they want to do is to, you know, he's tactile, to touch him, to yes. feel him, to to ask you questions about him. And, you know, it's remarkable because they all want to know what he was like as a puppy or what his mom looked like or as his dad. And I didn't know any of this information, but an email came to the school this morning from the lady who owns his his mother and she had pictures of him as a puppy and it was great to be able to show it to the kids that the little piece on the news yesterday brought all this information yeah. back it was it was it was it was just fantastic like they were so excited about it because they've a great sense of ownership of him as well mm. because he's he's in the school he's their dog um and they get to enjoy them every day.
3: Yeah, you? yeah. Ah, oh, look, it's, it's a great wee story, so it is. And we hear it's the difference it is making in the lives of everybody uh, at St. Peter's at this time. Um, I take it uh, there, there are one or two other schools I know have uh, what's called a community dog. Uh, it's a pilot scheme you're involved in here. Uh, obviously, from what you're saying, you're waxing lyrical about it. This is something that can take off. And, uh, oh, I, no. I
5: don't think the guide dogs will be able to cope with the demand yes, they have, to be yes, honest with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And just as I mentioned the guide dogs, I'd like to say that it's the the guide dog day on the 7th of May. Hmm. And they're they're desperately looking for help with their fundraising and they have a a great initiative of a a 100k for Guide Dog Day and uh, we in the school here have signed up for it and we're we're doing our little bit of fundraising and getting our exercise in but it's it's such a remarkable thing the animal in the school that like every school should have one
3: Mm, well there you go (laughs) two or three yeah (laughs) the man for that how do you meet that but the guide dog people I know them well Uh, they've joined me on many an occasion over the years here in the show they really deserve support because it takes a lot of money to train a dog
5: again it's the level of training that has this dog to where he is Um, like he's he's, nothing kind of comes in his way like he's able for every obstacle and he just enjoys the place and no matter what happens you know that he's going to be rock steady beside you and and able to manage the situation Mm. and if the guide dogs don't do the work they do um, it wouldn't work like a normal dog wouldn't be able to cope no. in a school because it's so busy and it's so, yes, energetic.
3: yes. The, the training is, is, is so yeah. important. Anyway, look, we just wanted to air it today. It's all over the news and there's an update uh, that is lineage seed and breed is now coming to the fore. And watch this space because there'll be a, a whole life story developing about this fella. His name is Travis. And if you're in the school or around the school or you know you know somebody associated with it well give them a shout however you're in that direction as things allow over the coming weeks and months I wish you well thank you for joining Thanks me for on the show again Thank Take you. good, all.
5: And Travis says hello too.
3: Ah, brilliant. Thanks a million. Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Donegan McCarrick there, maths and geography teacher at the wonderful St. Peter's Community College in Dunboyne, talking about their new community there, Black Lab. He's gorgeous. He really is gorgeous. He'll be four years of age shortly. They are such placid creatures. They really are. And they're very good with children. I know that myself. I see my fella He's big, he's strong, he's an elite at times, but around children, he just seems to adjust. They know, they intuitively know that they need to be a little bit different. And, you know, I was thinking back to a story we did here in Late Lunch. Uh, many moons ago, uh, Luke Kelly Melia, he was a young lad and he was at school, I think it was a Virginian county cabin, and he was... Uh, you know, looking to bring an assistance dog to school with him and he was refused. They, they didn't want the dog next or near the school. Isn't that just incredible to think how times have changed and the dog is welcome there. But I remember that story well and he couldn't bring the dog to school but a few years later it, the, the family actually won the case. Now, he'd gone through school at that stage but it's great to hear that you have a teacher like Donica there championing the animal and looking after the dog as well and that it's making such a difference to the lives of the pupils and staff at the college there in Dunboyne. You're at late lunch on LMFM Radio. I'll be back in a moment and I will give you your riddle just once more. There's always laggards. I love them. I love laggards and blaggards. Anyway, they want the riddle once more. Okay, once more. Just once more. No more. Here's your last stab at the riddle. Oh, they're very clever as well. There's loads of people in with the right answer already. Here it is. I am the beginning of everything, the end of everywhere. I'm the beginning of eternity, the end of time and space. What am I? That's your riddle this Friday for a little prize from us here in Late Lunch. Text or WhatsApp your answer to oh eight six eighteen hundred six five eight with your name and details. Oh the games. There were that many games, it's hard to keep up with them. Jerry says, Jean, I'm in my sixties now. We played a game called German Jumps. Did you know anything about that, Louise? What is German jumps? Somebody else says it there as well. Another listener says, German jumps, Jerry, I love that game. I'm presuming that's the elastic Is that, that the elastic? Was, I don't game. know, I'm presuming yeah, that's okay. the one we were talking about. Oh, Paul was on to say, Oh Jerry, you used to play catch and kiss. <laughs> God, you wouldn't get away with it now, says Paul. (laughs) Don't know, Paul. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Louise? Catch and kiss. Did you ever play it, Louise? Louise, did you ever play it?
4: Uh, No, can't remember anyway.
3: Oh, she's just had a blank all of a sudden. Holy (laughs) God. David's on to say. Look at David there. They're coming out of the woodwork now. Yes, Jerry. Kiss chasing was an absolutely great game. Go on, you good thing. Yeah. Um, Hopscotch, Levo, Red Rover, Skipping, Jerry. there were so many. Oh, you're bringing me back today with memories, memories. Thanks indeed for that from uh, Joan this afternoon. Another one there. Marbles, kick the ball and hide were the games that spring to mind for me. Um, there's another one there. Uh, did I mention that one? Paper chase. Did you hear that one? I've never Hi heard Jerry, paper chase. You played a game called paper chase. No, I've never heard of that one. And somebody else on saying, Vincent School and the dog of a Dog for pet therapy for the last few years. Good on them, and great to hear it as well. You were mentioning the the history a little bit, besides some of the behind some of the rhymes we were talking about earlier on.
4: Yeah, I was just wondering, you know, the ring-a-ring-a-rosy game the kids play.
3: Ring-a-ring-a-rosy, pocket full of posy, Asha, Asha, we all fall down. Now, people say a chew, do they? A, a chew. chew. Oh, then that's snobby. That you're a snob <laughs> if you say that. That's nonsense. It was a Asha, tissue, Asha. A tissue, <laughs> a tissue, a tissue, we all fall down. Well, we used to say Asha. Maybe we were, <laughs> shall we? <laughs> we didn't know Asha, Asha. What's the story? It doesn't There's matter what you say,
4: because you'd be dead according yeah, to this. Yes. It's the bubonic pl- plague, Oh, right. Seemingly.
3: And uh, that came in after that, yeah. Apparently, yeah. It's keeping keep down. in
4: memory of, keep, keep it in, in people's memory. Oh,
3: my. How bad and, it was. And there was, have, have you another rhyme there? Ring a ring a roll? No?
4: Yeah, no. You know, I think girls no mostly that. played the kind of clapping game with each other.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, the, that clapping. Yes.
4: And they used to do kind of, uh, see, see my play, mate, come out and play with me. My dolly's got the flu, chicken pox and measles too. So, <laughs> and you think, you know, with Covid, you wouldn't be playing that post stop oh, now anyway.
3: But You wouldn't be doing this with no, the hands, touching hands, that's but for But I wonder, sure.
4: will there be a game that'll evolve out of Covid?
3: oh I'd say that way I, I have a game that I yeah there's a game it's it's played out in the media every day it's either woe or ecstasy that's the game <laughs> woe or ecstasy it's played in the media
4: it's driving you I mad mean, isn't it's it it's
3: driving me mad I've been watching independent news especially and the day before yesterday oh woe be tied woe be tied there's no summer we're all ruined we have no vaccinations yesterday oh summer's back on we have loads of vaccinations yes we're going to get it all done today the back to the tailor will you give us a break that is just driving me personally mad. You know, it's all or nothing extreme from one extreme to the other. I know news has to be reported, but for the love of God, let's have a bit of perspective on things and let things happen at a macro level and it'll filter down to the micro level with time. It'll just give you a dose of the you know what. Anyway, um, what was it to say? there was you on no- your toes. Uh, no, it's just denying me now. Conkers, <laughs> th- we didn't mention it at all mm-hmm. and I have a number of them in, especially especially the, from the lads today, Joseph, John, David, all your... Uh, we don't know surnames names there. All talking about Conkers and how they love playing Conkers. Conkers was a big game at the time of year. You know, autumn, awesome, when yeah. they fell. I, I think I mentioned that before. You
4: did. You were shown, actually. You brought in... Con- Didn't I bring in? Yep.
3: Yeah, and put the string in them. And we used to toughen them up. We used to think soaking them in a liquid would <laughs> make them tougher. And you know, it? I don't know. I think it cracked them, to be mm. honest, which <laughs> made <laughs> them worse. But we used to be trying everything under the sun because the more your Conker... Made bits of another one. You know, it'd be conquer one, conquer two. So if you broke three conquerors, four conquerors, five conquerors. I think I had to conquer ten once. It got up to ten, I smashed ten other conquerors with one.
4: And was it like the game of marbles where you got to keep the other one?
3: No, the other, sure, the other was just in well, bits you and then you know, whoever then, had, had to go and get another conquer <laughs> and get set up again. It was a cheap game to play. You know, there was a bit of string and, and a knot and a, and a conqueror and, and away you go. But the marbles I loved, I had huge collections of the marbles myself. You know, I had. And that Mm. dropsy and hitting the marbles in the corner, they were the two favourite games of ours. You heard what Kunak had to say. It was quite different, actually. Yeah, they were really, really different. Yeah, so there's a lot of variations on the theme. Thank you so much for your uh, participation in our chat about uh, games of yesteryear on the street or in the schoolyard. Nobody
4: mentioned. Irish Bulldog. What was that? Do you never play Irish Bulldog? One, two, three?
3: No. Oh, You had to play
4: like in school because you needed a load of people. All right. And you'd call, there'd be one person in the middle and you'd call somebody over and they'd have to basically get by you. And if they got by you, everybody would run past.
3: All right. Okay. It's kind of like, kind of a mini (laughs) rugby Uh, game. You'd have a permanent solicitor in every school. Never mind a dog. If you were allowing stuff like that, I suppose today with with, with the claims culture. Tommy's been on to say the games he loved were kick the box and seashells at the wall. I have to say, I'd never heard of that one before. Jerry, what about spin the bottle? Says another listener to me today. Yes, I remember spin the bottle for sure. Yes, childhood games of yesteryear. We've been talking about on Late Lunch this afternoon. And I'm going to talk for the next while to one of our regulars. I always say it, it's just not the same. But what would we do if we hadn't got Zoom? Hello, Tara Walker.
1: Hi, Jerry. How are you? <laughs> I'm
3: good. I miss you so much. I want to say that publicly today and uh, <laughs> we'll be back. I'll be back. I promise you. I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting here thinking of going back to East Coast Cookery School. But there you have it. Thank you for uh, joining us on the Zoom link this afternoon. Tara, it's spring and spring means lamb. And I know people are thinking, aren't they lovely out in the fields? But spring lamb with an early Easter, Tara, what do you say about that? Very early Easter this year, and people say the lamb needs a little more time on the grass.
1: Yeah, funny. I actually was talking to my butcher, uh, Tommy Chute, there uh, in Chutes and Lawrence Street about it, um, because I, I got a, a leg of lamb, and he's. I, I rang him a couple of days later just to say it was a really fantastic piece of meat. You know, it was absolutely gorgeous. So um, I think it was a little bit earlier, but it, we, we got away with it, I think, Um Like Obviously, it's nicer to mature a little bit more, but I found that what I got from him anyway was absolutely fantastic. So
3: uh, just uh, take us through lamb for a moment before we move on. Uh, Roast leg of lamb, probably the simplest thing you can cook.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I would often um, pop little holes into the scored kind of, um, but actually poke little holes into it and add a little bit of garlic and rosemary into the little holes just to give an extra bit of flavour. But actually, sometimes just plain and simple is nice. And the key is to make sure you rest it. So, like, I put mine on, I think, on Easter Sunday at about three o'clock and we didn't eat it till about, you know, six o'clock. So it cooked from kind of three to a quarter to five and then it rested for the rest of the time while we were having a starter. So I think it's important to do that um, because that will really add to the tenderness of it. You know, sometimes people kind of blame the meat for it being a little bit tough and often it's because it hasn't been rested.
3: Yeah, rest is the key. And you've always said that Tara, be it roasting a turkey, a joint of meat, lamb or whatever, give it the time afterwards. And you're talking what, about 20 minutes at least or maybe half an hour more. What do you say, resting?
1: Yeah, well, like the rule of thumb is that you rest for half of the cooking time. So um, obviously now if you're cooking something for three hours, you might not want to rest it for an hour and a half. But also bear in mind, it depends on the temperature cooking. So if it's hot and fast, well, then half the the cooking time um, for resting is ideal, is appropriate. But if you're cooking something a little bit lower and slower, well, then it already is a little bit more rested than it would be hot and fast, if you know what I mean. So Mm. basically the likes of, say, a shoulder of lamb which I absolutely love as well. And I love to cook that for about six hours really low like about 130 or 140 in the oven and um, but i would even still rest that for maybe an hour but just not you don't need to rest quite as long when it's been cooked on a lower temperature basically
3: now if you're doing the lamb and the shoulder is beautiful i'm glad you mentioned it as well you know uh, the accompaniment to lamb is traditionally mint sauce i take it you rustle up your own because you have a great little bed of herbs there with the fresh mint rather than dipping in the jar that's just really a jar of vinegar
1: Yes, yeah. So, well, I do you know, it's one of the few jars I like and I think do it's you? because of the childhood memory for me. Yeah. So I like the <laughs> Coleman's.
0: Do I like you? the
1: Coleman's mint sauce and I do sometimes make my own mint sauce as well Um, if I've run out um, and it's very easy to make. I usually just put a bit of sugar, a bit of boiling water, a small bit of vinegar and the mint leaves um, and just let them sit for a while, you know, try and let it sit for maybe an hour. So make it maybe when you've just put the meat into the oven. So it's sitting there waiting to be um, eaten and it's kind of infusing all that time. Mm, go ahead. Um, but I love oh sorry, Jerry go No, on. go ahead, no, you go ahead, Guan. Yeah, what I was just going to say is I love um with a shoulder of lamb, I kind of prefer to do I mean I have made it with gravy and roast potatoes and things like that, but it is very, very rich the shoulder of lamb when you when you kind of shred it. So I love to do the shoulder of lamb, serve it more like room temperature with a nice minty yogurt. So make up a little raita or a little minty yogurt. So Greek yogurt with a little bit of garlic, lemon juice and mint through it and drizzled over. And then some mint leaves and maybe a few pomegranate seeds and kind of go in that direction with it where it's a little bit more Middle Eastern mm. and a little bit more kind of salady vibe as opposed to like the roast leg of lamb with the roast buds and the rich gravy.
3: And there was, I think, in uh, doing the world a favour, getting them away from the jars. You're right, it is a childhood uh, taste that I do remember, and I've had it right through my life as well, when you talk about the mint sauce, uh, especially the Coleman's one. But uh, Tara, certainly when you do the other uh, way, with your fresh uh, mint and that there, it's less vinegary. I think you get more of the hit of the mint.
1: Absolutely, definitely. I mean, it's just funny. And as you know, for years I've been saying I don't really like jars, but basically horseradish sauce for my roast beef, and mint sauce from Coleman's. I just like those two, And I think it's just a childhood thing. It's nostalgic for me.
3: Now, just before we leave lamb, of course, a rack of lamb, the little cutlets at the moment. You know, I see uh, some of the other cuts there available. I I take it for you, an Irish stew, is it lamb? If you do a stew?
1: Absolutely. Lamb shoulder for me, if I'm doing an Irish stew. So um, diced lamb shoulder that's low and slow. So that whole little thing about, you know, you've got something, a tougher meat that has a higher fat content, but that really gives great flavor when it's cooked low and slow. So it tenderizes, but also the sauce is maturing along with the meat, you know. Um, so for me, shoulder of lamb is definitely the way forward for a an Irish stew.
3: Now, let's leave lamb aside. And, you know, the days, thank God, are getting much longer. The weather's lovely at the moment and the heavy eating of the stews. I know I mentioned the lamb there, but it's lovely with spring lamb. But you know what I'm talking about, the heavy winter dishes and that. You know, we're moving away from that now. What's on Tara Walker's table at this time? A couple of dishes to suggest to listeners that are really harbingers of springtime.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there's just, I mean, for me, I come into my own, uh, food-wise at this time of year, because I love light, tasty, fresh food. I mean, I love winter warmers as well, but they're not my my absolute favourite. So for me, when I start having an abundance of herbs, and Jerry, if you're proud, I have my raised beds looking fabulous this year because I've had the time. <laughs> so I have loads and loads of mint, thyme, rosemary, parsley in the garden, and flat-leaf parsley. So just making up different pestos and different sauces with those where you just grind them down in a pesto and mortar with a little bit of garlic and lemon juice and whatever other bits. Obviously, if you were going with a pesto, you'd be adding some um, pine nuts in and a little bit of parmesan at the end or you could go with like a salsa verde with a few capers in it. You know, there's so many different variations on that. And then just a really simple barbecued or grilled piece of meat or piece of fish, some nice potato or go with your grains like couscous, tabbouleh with bulgur wheat, you might have wild rice salad. Like there's so many different bits and bobs, but the flavours all go coming from the lovely fresh herbs, and then of course moving into all your nice lettuces at this time of year, and your tomatoes a bit later on, and, and courgettes, and all of those things. Um, that really don't need... I mean, Jerry, do you remember when you used to bring me out nice uh, vegetables from your garden and I'd Mm. be delighted with them? And I nearly didn't want to turn them into big kind of recipes with loads of steps because when they're so beautifully grown and so freshly picked, they're just gorgeous as they are
3: yeah oh no they certainly are and i was just looking today before i came it came in my the first of my early spuds and the pots uh, i think i'll have them soon tara you within the next couple of weeks i put them in january time in the greenhouse and you know i just say to anybody I w- i've always been talking about it here to uh nikki kyle as well if you put one spud in a good sized pot in january that's sprouted by the time the end of april comes you will have you get about a 10 to a dozen nice hen egg size potatoes, Tara, from the one pot. But jeepers, Tara, can you beat them in a little drop of water and maybe a sprig of mint in there and some butter? Oh, Tara. Tara,
1: stop. (laughs) There's (laughs) nothing like it. It's absolutely gorgeous. So, so good. And that's why I'm saying... Like, it's more about having all the lovely fresh ingredients coming into summer than it is about kind yeah. of complicated recipes. Mm. Like, tonight, actually, I, this evening, I have all the teachers from St. Oliver's doing a class with me, and we're doing the Italian class uh, on Zoom. And we are doing, and I did it last night with another group, and it was just gorgeous for this time of year. So I did a lovely whole roast bulb of garlic, um, and we turned it into a rosemary and garlic crostini. Then we had mini caprese salads. so we have little... Um, Bites of buffalo mozzarella with cherry tomato and um, basil leaves on a stick. Then we have the most gorgeous crab linguine. I mean, seafood at this time of year really comes into its own. Super simple. Garlic, chili, parsley, lemon, small drop of white wine and the crab all tossed around on the pan with some linguine. It's just gorgeous, you know. And that to me is lovely summer food. It's, It's light, it's fresh and the ingredients are the things that really kind of stand out in them.
3: And not far from where you're based, we have to say, there will be very soon the most wonderful asparagus emerging.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely gorgeous. And do you remember, Jerry a few years back, we did a whole feature on um, Drummond House asparagus and we had lovely little um, prawns and asparagus, little bites with a nice little saffron aioli, which is basically, you know, a garlic mayonnaise with a little bit of saffron through it. So beautiful and tasty. And again... For me, with the asparagus, either just boil it up very lightly, steam it, or my favourite, pop it onto a griddle or a barbecue and just serve it up with some sea salt and lemon juice. Beautiful.
3: Oh, it's absolutely wonderful. And, you know, it, it's it's a great credit to Drummond House and Marie de Varley and everybody there and what they produce here right on our doorstep. The other thing I think about when you talk about this time of the year, you know, you talk about your Italian course there is risotto. And when I have my first peas, I might not have a lot of them, but even a handful of peas from the garden into simply the peas in the risotto tara it's simple but my word the flavor you can have with that is something else
1: oh it's unbelievable and we we actually did that a few years back Jerry I don't know if you remember we did a chicken saltimbocca wrapped in um in Parmaham. Yes. Um, and then we did a little summer risotto and it was absolutely gorgeous. We had lovely fresh peas and a little bit of mint and parsley through it and a bit of lemon juice. And it just elevates. I mean, I love an autumn risotto. I love doing it with butternut squash and mushrooms, etc. But the summer risotto is just so light and green and fresh. It, you don't have that kind of heaviness to it.
3: mm and you know uh, asparagus would be lovely in risotto too wouldn't it chopped up a bit like just the, the asparagus itself would just go well with a, a, a risotto
1: absolutely gorgeous and it, some of those little mini courgettes that you've brought out to are yeah, yeah. lovely in there too yeah
3: now to move on for the sweet toots listening today can i tell you i'll let you in a little secret you know what we uh, had at home last weekend and i want to check in with you just to see did that did it work out right for us uh, eaten mess, and you know the Irish strawberries are starting to appear.
1: Absolutely gorgeous! What a perfect little summer dessert. Did you make the meringues from scratch, Jerry?
3: My wife Miriam made the meringues from scratch, and I have to give her ten out of ten because
1: she had them. Pe- you know that chewy piece in the middle of the meringue. Fabulous, that is. I mean, it's nearly a sin to put them into um, mm. an eaten mess when you've made them so beautifully. <laughs> yeah,
3: but just take this as maybe through what is eaten mess, just for people listening there, and how simple it is, and with the uh, Irish strawberries on the horizon.
1: Yeah, so eaten mess couldn't be simpler. Absolutely gorgeous. So some meringues. You can even use shop bought. Um, I actually often use the ones from Forgefield Farm Shop and um, the Forgefield Coffee Shop. The chef there, Peter. Make them and you can buy five in a pack and they're beautiful. They're as good as well. Ho- well, they are homemade by him, you know. Yes. Um, and they have that lovely meringue kind of, se- um, kind of like marshmallowy centre to them. Um, so basically you want to have equal quantities really of marshm- uh, marshmallow meringue to cream um, so that you have kind of a good bit of a bite in there, but you also have um, that it's luscious enough as well. So very lightly whipped cream. I like to do Chantilly cream with a little bit of vanilla extract and some icing sugar through it. And then just de the strawberries and just toss them through and mix it all really lightly together. Serve up in a nice glass, a fancy glass or a little cup or something like that.
3: It's beautiful. And I have to say, it was just a whim. I mentioned it and asked uh, the baker in the house, would she give it a go? She wouldn't have been somebody that did many, like, you know, of of the... uh uh, the little what you call them the meringues uh, but uh, she, she gave them a go and they were really good to have to say, and it was lovely everybody enjoyed it we doled it out round the other houses as well and everybody was raving about it and it is a lovely dessert and we have to say it is coming into the season now with the Irish strawberries aw- arrive when I see them coming from the other side of the world Tower through the winter months it does emphasise again doesn't it seasonality and produce on our doorsteps I know you're a great champion of that
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously, look, we do live in a, a fairly northern country and it is cold. And, um, you know, we don't have the same kind of sunshine that they get in Italy or France or Spain or whatever. Um, but it is nice to try and just go with what you have. Available. Like, look, I don't think we'll ever be able to grow our, enough fruit and veg at this stage um to keep us happy that we never go to the supermarket again you know because we have a palette that is now varied we want more than just you know what we can get in the in the moment but i think it's really important to try and make an effort to support the local producers and the local growers like there's a number of new suppl- um growers i've come across even since the pandemic like there's cool farm leaves up in rd they are producing the most gorgeous um organic leaves there's another um uh group up in i think it's Giles's key called i think i hope i'm pronouncing them properly lock and more farm and they're producing micro greens which are just so tasty and i'm buying both of those in the farm shop in term in like every few days and so they- it's important to support those guys because if you're not buying their produce obviously it's not feasible they won't survive and then we're back to only ever having mass-produced supermarket stuff. So it is really important. Obviously, we have a spud shack down the end of the road, at the other end of my road here. So you can just turn up to the drive-through spud shack and get some lovely potatoes, all freshly um, picked most of the time, um, different varieties. It just depends. The day you might land, there might not be all varieties there, but there's, there's usually lots of choice there. You know, there's so many different producers. I can't even name them all in one yes. go here now, but it's ah, important to support
3: them. It is so important. That's Maria Flynn, of course, there in Ballamackennie Farm. And I just think of Pat Clark with his gorgeous strawberries in Stamullen that are uh, coming on stream. He is a great operation out there. Tara, you've been brilliant. EastCoastCookerySchool.ie. As you heard at the beginning of our chat today, the classes go on. There and uh, there are many classes on offer that Tara has. Well worth checking out. EastCoastCookerySchool.ie until the next time see you soon
1: thanks Jerry. good to talk to you
3: take care bye bye that's Tara Walker there speaking to me from East Coast Cookery School brilliant brilliant lady she really is I'll be back there I promise you now a riddle on Friday on late lunch I am the beginning of everything the end of everywhere I'm the beginning of eternity the end of time and space what am I? I'm the letter E the letter E is what I was looking for. That is the answer. And the winner today is Derek Dixon from Trim. Well done to you, Derek. Uh, we'll send their little gift in the post here, And thanks to everybody who participated this afternoon. London Bridges, my last word on the games. Yes, are falling down, falling down, says a listener. That's another game you didn't mention today, Jerry. I didn't indeed, delighted to mention it now. My artists of the week have been, all this week, the Electric Light Orchestra. And in more recent times, the band has become Jeff Lynne's ELO, that's what they're known as now, and they've enjoyed somewhat of a renaissance. They released a 14th album, performed at the prestigious Hyde Park Festival in London. At the Grammy Awards, incidentally, for the first time ever, when you think of all the success they had over the years, that was the first time they appeared there. They played Glastonbury and were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And indeed, they had a tour planned of America last year until until COVID, of course, closed the whole world down virtually. Now, I round off this week of ELO, with one of their finest songs of all time. It's been adopted as the theme song for next year's Commonwealth Games in their hometown, Birmingham. Yes, look out your window, it's blue skies. Oh, you just have to squeeze every single drop out of that wonderful song. I love it. It's really uplifting. Yes, uh, concluding my reflections on the Electric Light Orchestra and their music, Mr Blue Skies, on your late lunch this afternoon. Up next, after the break, it's our look ahead to the weekend. Sport with Leon Blanche, Dundalk and Drogheda in the League of Ireland and the FA Cup semi-finals. It's a big weekend in soccer. Friday afternoon. It's time for sport and looking ahead with us, as usual, is the communications manager with Boyle Sports, Leon Blanche. Hello again, Leon. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you keeping? I'm good. Thank you for joining me. It's Soccer All The Way this week. Let's begin with the League of Ireland. And you have to say, haven't Drogheda surprised so many with the way they've started the new Premier League season?
6: Look, Jerry, it's been a really, really solid start for Drogheda out of a possible 12 points. They've got seven two victories, a draw, and a defeat, and you would have taken that. And a good win last Saturday. Look, we said that we fancied them to beat Longford, and they did it, and they did it quite comfortably, winning 4-0. Now they're up against Derry, and it's another chance to actually build on that victory over Longford because it's been a really difficult start for Derry. Really, really tough for the Candy Stripes. Played four, lost four, and that is a worrying sign. They've only scored, I think, one goal, and they've conceded eight. So Drogheda have got to be looking at this as a must-win, and I think they will win, because these are the types of games, as the season progresses, you'll have one to get these points on the board against Derry, who are obviously struggling at the moment, but they're better than what they're showing us. So Drogheda, fresh from a 4-0 victory, going to make it back-to-back wins, and Jerry, a really solid start. If they could get 10 points from the opening 15, that would be a very, very good return.
3: It certainly would, because then they go into four very difficult games. They've Rovers, Dundalk, Bohemians, and Sligo. So you know the challenges (laughs) lie ahead. You are so right; these are very important games. Now, talking about difficult starts, what do you say about Dundalk? Uh, They're in real trouble. You know, one point so far, and they're at home uh, tomorrow to St Patrick's Athletic, who are flying high.
6: Well, Jerry, do you know something that saddens me? Because I have a lot of colleagues in Boyle Sports who are who would be going to every single Dundalk game if they could. They have been doing down throughout the years. And to kind of see the start and see what's happening at the moment, it's quite disheartening. And Dundalk, this is not going to get any easier, Jerry. I think I mentioned to you when we spoke, St. Pat's for me were the kind of dark horse this season. I really like what they're doing. They don't have the biggest squad, but when everybody is fit, they're a very capable team. They've won their last three on the bounce. They don't concede many goals. They've only conceded two goals in the four games. Now, Dundalk have conceded six. So this is a worrying time at the moment for Dundalk. The longer it goes before you get a win, just the doubts start to creep in amongst the players, amongst everyone who's connected with the club, and then problems start to arise. But this is a really, really tricky game. I actually, you know, I'm I'm struggling to see how Dundalk are going to win it, if I'm being totally honest. I just think the form of the team at the moment is not good enough. Um, in terms of trying to beat St. Pats. And St. Pats are a bloody good team. So for me, Jerry, unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to go with St. Pats to beat Dundalk.
3: Now let's go across the water and we're talking about the Cup this week. Yes, the glamour of the FA Cup. And there are two semi-finals, both at Wembley. Now, first out are Chelsea and uh, City. Some say this is actually the real final. And ironically, it could be a rehearsal for the Champions League final.
6: Yeah, certainly good, Jerry. Yeah, I think I think PSG and Real Madrid might have something to say about that. However, Chelsea against Manchester City, it's a really exciting cup tie. And just looking at how the prices are for both teams, Chelsea are just under four to one. Now to me, that could be A ridiculous price come Saturday evening because there's no way in my mind that Chelsea are that far behind Manchester City, not since Tuchel has come in. They've only had one blip and that was against West Bromwich Albion after a man got sent off. But every side can have one bad game. They've responded and they've done it really well. Okay. They weren't great against Porto in the second leg, but I've no doubt in my mind Tuchel just wanted to get over the line and get into the semi final. Man City, on the other hand, They've got to a semi-final under Pep Guardiola. But I'll tell you something, only for a bit of stupidity from Enray Chan, the former Liverpool footballer, giving away that penalty, City were looking and they started to struggle to me. But they got the penalty and they got through to the semi-final. City are favourites at 5-6. The one thing I'm going to suggest here is I think this could go all the way. This could be a draw after 90 minutes. It could even be a draw after extra time. And for that reason, I'm going for Chelsea to qualify for the final, which of course gives you normal time, extra time and penalties at just under 2 to 1, they're 19 to 10. And Jerry, a great offer. We're still doing the mobile exclusive. Bet just €10 euro, and if your bet doesn't win, don't worry if you lose. We'll give you your money straight back as a free bet because this game could go either way. But I have a funny feeling, Chelsea. I think Tuchel is going to outclass, outmaneuver and outthink Pep Guardiola.
3: Oh, that's going to be so interesting to watch. Now, the second semi-final is on Sunday evening again at Wembley. Southampton, I only remember them winning the Cup once under Laurie McMenemy many moons ago. Leicester have appeared in three Cup finals and they've never won the uh, trophy. Can Brendan Rodgers put that right this year?
6: I think, Jerry, this is a perfect opponent for Leicester at the minute. Southampton, they were absolutely... I watched the game against West Bromwich Albion and they were absolutely dreadful. Leicester, on the other hand, yes, they have had some internal problems, but I thought Rodgers dealt with it extremely well. No point in hitting these guys with a fine. Money doesn't matter. They make too much of it anyway. So he took them out of the squad. Some people might say, but that was crazy because they're trying to finish in the top four. But I admire him for doing it. And I think actually these players are going to repay Brendan Rodgers. Ian Acho, he has really started to hit form in the last four or five games. He's playing up front alongside Jamie Vardy. And Vardy's not scoring as many, but he's still making those runs which is creating the spaces for Ian Acho to go in and exploit. For me, if you're having a first goal scorer bet, which I always like to do, bet small, have a bit of fun. I think Ian Acho for first goal scorer, but I also think Leicester will be in another FA Cup final, Jerry, I just cannot have Southampton at the moment. Their form is terrible. Don't get me wrong, on a one-off game, any side can produce the goods when they really need to, but I'm sure Brendan Rodgers will be licking his lips at the prospect of facing Southampton on Sunday night and getting his side to an FA Cup final.
3: That's uh, uh, great to look forward to Wembley for all the fans of the clubs who are there in a big FA Cup semi-final weekend. Leon, great as usual. Talk to you in a week's time.
6: Have a great weekend, Jerry.
3: Yes, Leon Blanche there from Boyle Sports looking ahead to the uh, big soccer games home and abroad over the weekend. Hi, Jerry! I love Jeff Lynn dearly. Yes, we're ELO this week. He's been the main man in ELO right from the start. I saw him three times, best in Wembley, where the atmosphere was electric. Mr. Blue Sky so uplifting. Isn't he amazing at seventy two? He still has that sex appeal. Women love him, Oh Gro Jeff Lynn. Oh, he is. He's, he's a big icon, so he is for so many people. Anyway, he's brilliant. He is fantastic. And the guy at his age, he, the old uh, COVID stopped them, as I said, in their tracks there, uh, touring again. But please, God, they will be back on the road. Vaccinations allow, as I said. Anyway, that's almost a lot on Late Lunch for this week. I want to say a big thank you to all our guests who joined us every day. To you who uh, tune in to Late Lunch each afternoon and participate in the show as well, I thank you for your company each afternoon and, of course, to Miss Louise Walsh. I couldn't do it without her. Yes, she knows all those street games inside out, as she was telling us earlier on. Yes, and we all enjoyed them in our day, didn't we? Thanks indeed for the great response uh, to our look back, our memories of games on the street in the schoolyard this afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Stay with us here on the LMFM Radio. Some wonderful music on the way for the next couple of hours. Have a nice weekend, take care of yourselves, enjoy it and do come back Monday at 1.30 for another brand new week of Late Lunch. We'll be here, it's a date, we want you with us too.
2: Take care, bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahda Dundalk and Cavan. Let us amaze you with our fantastic used car offers. With over 300 different makes and models, we have the biggest selection of pre-owned cars to choose from. Let Blackstone Motors find the perfect car for you. Finance can be arranged to suit all budgets. Call or visit blackstonemotors.ie today to find your next
0: car.